0: Let's get started. Here is your host, Vincenzo Toscano.
1: Hello guys, welcome to another episode of the Commons Lab by EcomC, the place where everything related to Amazon FBA private level and e-commerce. My name is Vincenzo Toscano, founder and CEO of EcomC, and today we bring you a very special guest. His name is Josh Hadley, and he's the founder and CEO a basically an eight-figure business that I mean he has so much knowledge in the Amazon space that I think the amount of content strategies he's going to be sharing today is going to be mind-blowing can't wait for that and he's also host of uh, the Ecom Breakthrough podcast which is also an amazing podcast that I recommend everybody listening and viewing this episode right now to check out. so Josh it's a pleasure to have you here today how you doing my friend I'm doing great Vincenzo thanks for having me here I'm excited to be here Thank you, man. Thank you for being here. When I saw um, everything you've been doing uh, with your business and your journey so far and where you basically are right now with the business, uh, I I thought to myself, I mean, the the amount of knowledge that this guy has is definitely a lot. And I need to make sure I can get some of those gold nuggets, as they call them, uh, to make sure we can, you know, help those Amazon sellers out there that are in this journey to eventually, you know, get to seven or eight figures. So, it's a pleasure for me to have you here. Um, now, before we jump into all, you know, uh, the tips and strategies, I know a lot of people are waiting for those. I think the most important thing to, you know, uh, allow people to get to know you better is to learn more about your journey and, you know, get inspired about where you got started and how you managed to achieve this eight-figure business. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So I think the the, the most important thing that I
2: want to convey to your listeners is that I started just like you guys did, right? Learning in the trenches. I didn't even know, you know. I thought it would be amazing one day if I could own a million dollar business, let alone, Mm -hmm. you know, crossing into the eight figures um, for us last year. And so, my my advice to everybody is like, you can do it. You know, set your mind. You know, set your goals high. Adjust your mindset. Have a positive outlook. And at the end of the day, it's all about the hustle and. And I'll kind of dive into my story briefly, but it's a story of just like simply never giving up. Um, Mm -hmm. It's a story of testing out multiple things, uh, failing at different things, and just going to and and doubling down on the things that are working. Um, So I did my MBA at the University of Utah, and my wife and I graduated from the University of Utah at the same time. Um, I actually started my career at American Airlines. So okay. I started there and I was there for five years, but it was, you know, six months into working at American mm-hmm. airlines that, that entrepreneurial bug that I had, I, in, <laughs> yeah, I, I had it inside me from like a young age. Right. Um, I was the kid with the candy stand on the corner of the street. <laughs> and so yeah. it's never left me. And, you know, six months in at American, I was like, Hey, you know, I need to, like, what are some other ways I could just make money on this <laughs> side? Like, that yeah. was the main intent at the time. It wasn't like, hey, let's replace all of my income. Yeah. So we ended up starting a, wedding, a custom wedding invitation business um, with my okay. wife. She's a graphic designer. Oh. Good. And then that,
1: I bet that made the, the, the whole thing much easier. <laughs>
2: oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I can't, I can't attribute much of my success to just myself. Like definitely like if I didn't have my wife and her creative artistic graphic design wow. abilities, awesome. like I wouldn't be where we are today <laughs> for sure. Good, good. Um, so yeah, that, that's where we got started, but we got to a point in that business of doing custom wedding invitation uh, mm-hmm. in, for clients that we couldn't scale any further because my wife was just tapped out. Like I, we were already booked out six months in advance wow. just to work with her. <laughs> Crazy. a good issue to have. <laughs> it is a good problem to have, but yeah. I knew that like our business like revenue was like capped out unless I just started charging people outrageous amounts to design yeah, yeah. their wedding invitations, right? And so at the time, you know, I had previously tested, you know, doing retail arbitrage on mm-hmm. Amazon, selling my college textbooks on Amazon so mm-hmm. I had a limited experience on Amazon. I think I had even tried like selling a private label you <laughs> know uh, like waiter pad at the time yeah. It
1: yeah
2: didn't really take off but we thought hey what what could we do in this kind of wedding related market and we had a um, we had a lot of brides that would come back to us asking for like recipe cards for their bridal okay. shower and it was mm-hmm. like. Well, we can design them. It takes just as much time and effort to design that as it does your wedding invitation, but you're not going to pay as much for a recipe card as you are for your wedding invitations. So that's where the idea was sparked of like, let's create, let's mass produce some recipe cards from the top, you know, designs that brides are requesting. And let's just put them on Amazon, direct traffic Mm -hmm. to Amazon and just see what happens. And long story short, we sold out in just a couple months. And we generated, Uh, you know, at the time it was $16,000 in revenue in just, I think, six to eight weeks. And for us, that was like life changing in terms of holy cow, we did, we worked one time to design Mm. these products. The manufacturer printed them, they shipped them directly to Amazon. Now all we need to do is just click the reorder button and that's it. And so (laughs) that's when, that was the fall of 2016. And so 2017, we saw, we, we just doubled down on Amazon. We created a hundred um, SKUs on Amazon that first year. And we did mm-hmm. over a million dollars our first year on Amazon, just because oh. I was like, I could see it. Right. And I was like, mm-hmm. I launch another product and another one and another one that this can continue to grow. And so here we are, you know, 2023 20, now, and we've got over 1300 different SKUs for our brand. And, We've just continued to double down. But I would also say, you know, I I glossed over the fact that there were a lot of times where, you know, I lost money, you know, like the private label, other brand I tried to start or even retail arbitrage. Like I just kept trying different things over and over and over again. But then the Amazon thing hit and I was like, holy cow. Yeah. i can do the
1: math easy on this like just keep coming out with products and this is a million dollar business so wow yeah i mean it, it's an amazing journey thank you for sharing that i think i love the fact that i mean you went through all these things that. Uh, of course, you, you call them mistakes and that you lost money and everything, but at the same time, I, I see them as a learning experience, you know, because all these things that you did that basically generated mistakes and all the things that basically had to do with losing money and understanding the basics of Amazon basically made the foundation of managing your business on Amazon, right?
2: That's correct. Yeah, and I think I, I agree with you. I don't see those... Those mistakes that I made along the way as like, oh, those were catastrophic failures. I'm such an idiot. It like instead, I see them as like, you know what? Those mistakes, although that they never really panned out into what I originally thought they could have been, they allowed me to get to the point where I was comfortable taking these recipe cards and throwing them onto Amazon and That's then right. it hit, mm-hmm. right? Had I not tried selling my textbooks on Amazon from college, yes. had I not tried retail arbitrage on Amazon, it never even would have crossed my mind when we were having this issue with scaling the custom wedding invitation business to say, Hey, maybe we take some of these and we, we take them to Amazon. So it's, you know, I, I like that to use the fishing analogy, right. Where, you know, if you if you yeah. go fishing, right. You, you don't know what the fisher are wanting to eat that day. And, So you've got to cast multiple poles into the water and you've got to try different bait out on the water. And guess what? Like sometimes you need to move to another location. Maybe the fish aren't in that one spot. And so at the end of the day, you need to keep trying different things. But the most important thing is if you're fishing, the only time you can catch a fish is if your pole is in the water. It's not when you're sitting on the bank, you know, finagling with your you know fishing hooks and stuff like that because nothing happens until your pole is in the water so likewise when it comes to business nothing happens until you are trying to actively like sell something that's my main like so many people will sit there and just like they'll study and listen to courses over and over and over again trying to perfect this process and it's like look you're not going to perfect the process it is so much better just to get started throw something out there in the water, cast your line, so to speak, and then start, you know, innovating, pivoting off of that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more uh, with you. I think the reason why I wanted to make this point is because I I already can see a lot of sellers are getting started and they see this. And when we talk about seven figures and eight figures, this is so impossible to achieve. And sometimes, you know, they're in a position that they're failing. But I always say to them, you know, in Amazon, at the end of the day, it's also a numbers game. I mean, I know a lot of people that they, they didn't even achieve their million after doing seven, eight product launches, you know? So it's something that you need to keep trying and actually doing it iterations and learning from your mistakes. And it's is, is, it's amazing to see that you actually went through that process and right now, you actually achieved the 8 figures. So I wanted to use that as an analogy to inspire everybody that is listening to this. So thank you, yeah. Um. Now, um, I think I wanna now start jumping more around the strategy and everything that's with uh, running an eight-figure business because I mean, if I'm not mistaken, you mentioned 1,300 SKUs, right? Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and when you mentioned that, I mean, to myself, my money is is floating right now because imagine uh-huh. a brand already with 5, 10 SKUs is already a nightmare. Like you get out sometimes suppressions or managing PPC and all that. I mean, what goes a little bit true about how to manage our 1,300 SKU business? I'm pretty sure it's all around SOPs having processes very well defined. So, maybe you can give us a little bit of insight so people can get some strategy and tips out of that. Yeah.
2: Yeah. You're, you're 100% <laughs> correct in, in regards to, you know, creating SOPs and, and actually creating a business where you're hiring staff. Um, one of my biggest things that I like to advocate for is everybody talks about, oh, you just need to go hire a VA. I don't, I don't look at any of my team members. We have 25 of them now. Not Mm -hmm. one of them do I call a VA, not one. And even from the outset, I never hired anybody to say, hey, I I just need you to be a VA, just a virtual assistant. Mm -hmm. um, Because number one, it's too broad. The skill set, you're you're not going to get somebody with a specific skill set. And so I'll talk more about that. Um, But the the main thing that I did is like, it was my wife Mm
1: -hmm. and
2: I, And then my sister, she was helping me do some of the administrative tasks that I needed to to be done um, Mm -hmm. very early on in the business. It was us for literally the first, let's see, we launched on Amazon the fall of 2016. Mm -hmm. And up until 2019 is when we really kind of started first hiring. You were making already
1: seven figures before hiring.
2: Yeah, I did. Yeah. So 2019, we did over $5 million, right? Wow. And so, there's a, you know, number one, there's a lot you can do by mm-hmm. yourself, right? Yeah. And at the same time, I was working full-time at American Airlines throughout mm. this entire process, right? Wow, that's crazy. I didn't, I didn't leave <laughs> American Airlines until August of 2019.
1: You had so to have the backup, just in I case. had a
2: $5 million <laughs> brand. Now, you know, that's not net, that's not net income. Yeah, that's of not course. profit by sure. any means. Yeah. But here's the thing that I think I want your listeners to understand. Like, I use this, in, and in general, I'm not a big risk taker, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so for me, I use that opportunity at American Airlines as my venture capital funding, right? I see, like cash machine. <laughs> yeah, and so that's what we used to live on, right, was okay. my salary from American Airlines. But for the next three, four years, as we continued to build the business, yeah. All I did was I would take the profits from the business and I would reinvest them into new products. And, mm. and as you know, and anybody knows anybody that's in a physical products business, it's a very cash intensive business. Mm-hmm. And so we're at a point now in our business where we can launch products very quickly. We're coming out with 20 to 30 new SKUs every single month. Wow. But for other brands, when we, you know, go back to 2017, I distinctly remember it's like okay, we could launch you know ten or twenty SKUs at one time, and then we would have to wait for like three to four to six months before yeah. we could get a return back on that capital enough to us to to say all right, let's go reinvest in another um, set of these products, and so it was a slow growth period for us now. I mean, it, it, in all reality, I guess it really wasn't like we did $1 million 2017, yeah. $3.5 million 2018. But in right. my opinion, we were actually growing slow and okay. conservatively because we didn't take out any loans, okay. right? All of this was just bootstrapped and all of our salary was just coming from American Airlines. So my schedule was in the evenings, I would come home from work and I would be working from 5 p.m. to 2 a.m. It's like I had two full-time <laughs> jobs but I would sit down on the computer looking at new product ideas and communicating with the manufacturer and checking our inventory levels. Right. And, and I did that, um, for a good period of time, obviously, but then 2019, that's when I realized, okay, I know I can grow this business faster Mm -hmm. if I can create SOPs and hire team members to do, some of the work that I'm just doing on a regular basis. i had been doing these tasks of supply chain management for the last three years. Like
1: admin stuff. I've been doing
2: all of it, right? And so, you know, let's fast forward to. So I have this idea. But then I have this idea that we're going to kind of build out our team, right? COVID happens in 2020, right? In the spring. And our business, uh, many of you might have benefited from COVID ours yes. unfortunately were one of the the unfortunate oh, brands yeah. that got I was thinking escalated. that yeah
1: because you had no parties no 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 people to basically give cars to so I got Yeah imagine. there's <laughs> no birthday
2: parties going on nobody's yeah. doing baby showers Yeah, right weddings aren't happening so all of a sudden we see a 90% downturn in our business wow. overnight we went from doing over 1000 units a day to we were lucky to get 100 units a day Great. that was scary Right. Yeah. Like I, all the overnight, I like the, the business that we had built, like is just starting uh-huh. to crumble to the ground and I have nothing to like, there's no, yeah, you, like you can fix it. it. Right. Yeah. So what did we do? Um We pivoted. Right. So we were primarily in the party goods space, but for, as we all know, homeschooling was a big thing that happened during that time. And so, we started looking at products that could possibly serve the homeschool niche because we have children and we were homeschooling them. And we're like, Hey, what, yeah. what did we do here? And we went into a very competitive product category. Um, but at the time we were just like, look, this is our lifeline. Let's just throw it out it. there. Yeah, and this is <laughs> let's just see if we can make something work right. Yeah. We threw it out there and sure enough, it takes off and it had become our best selling product ever. Wow. And we we're like, oh my goodness, um, you know it was, <laughs> and and slowly like parties had started coming back too. So like it that that everything helped. combined, yeah. <laughs> um, so that helped, but it was at that point, okay, that was about August of 2020 when we had launched that other product, and that's when I was like, all right, we're back on, we can do this. And what I what I began to do at that point. Is I went back and kind of did like this time study of like, all right, over the last few years, where have I been spending all of my time on a day to day basis? Where is most of my time going? And what I realized was most of my time was spent in a project manager role where I'm just kind of coordinating between, you know, getting this listing up on Amazon Mm -hmm. and working with. Um, you know our supplier to make sure that they had shipped the product and mm-hmm. making sure that the copy was updated, et cetera. And so I was like, well, the first person I need in here is would be a project Me. manager that can <laughs> simplify this process and streamline everything because then I'm not going to forget all these little steps that I mm-hmm. that that are required to create a listing. And then the second thing that I was doing that I spent the most of my time on was product research. Right. And Mm -hmm. so those were the two roles that I hired for, for, for first. And then we immediately from there, um, just started creating SOPs. Right. And those team members. So now like I have a team that's dedicated to doing product research and development every single week, they are generating 20 new product ideas for me. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, But this took a, a lot of time, like it took three to six months for yeah. me to sit down with these team members and create SOPs. Um, so at the end of the day, like you, you ask, and this is a really long answer <laughs> to your question. Yeah. You ask, what does it look like to run an eight figure business and, and how could somebody grow to that point? Well, number one, I, my big takeaways for you are like, number one, start like grow methodically. Right. Mm-hmm. And don't think that because i have 25 team members you need to have that tomorrow either right um you can you can get by for a while on your own but then start documenting where is most of your time being taken up and then can you go create a role that could alleviate right a team member that could alleviate all of those tasks that you have been doing but then the next question you need to ask yourself is if I give these tasks up, what am I going to spend my time doing? Because right. if I would have just sat back and be like, oh, this is great. Yeah. I've got a project manager. I've got an R&D specialist. Like, I'm good. Business yeah. is good. I can just sit back and relax. Instead, I said, if I can get this stuff off my plate, what it's going to allow me to do is mm-hmm. to double down on actually doing more product research or in my case it was i ended up diving further into ppc and better understanding ppc so that when we launch products everything could be much more optimized so i did that for a year and then guess what ppc was taking up most of my time so i hired a ppc (laughs) manager right and then ppc management was um was kind of streamlined but then inventory management wasn't right. And working with our suppliers and warehousing and all of that was starting to blow up. And so what did I do? Documented everything. And um, Mm -hmm. we brought on a VP of operations who actually has experience working at Procter and Gamble in their supply chain department. Right? So what I've done is essentially I've hired experts Mm -hmm. in various aspects to know for very specific reasons. And it wasn't so I could sit back and relax. It was so I could say, I need to offload supply chain management so that now I can do what I'm going to now for our business, focus on creating partnerships with influencers, um, creating kind of an affiliate program, uh, getting published onto blogs and even acquiring maybe some media assets, maybe uh, some blogs Mm -hmm. or Facebook groups so that we could point more external traffic to our already successful Amazon products and, and make that moat bigger around us. And and again, so I'm just layering. Yeah. Time and time Love and it. time again, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. I, I, mean, I mean, to be honest, uh, the first big takeaway that I can take from this is is the fact that you, you say multiple times already, which is basically go step by step and slowly, because I also see this issue a lot in the, in the Amazon community, that as soon as they see you know, small revenue coming in, we're talking already in, in the four figure, five figures, they already think, oh, I need a team. I need mm. so many people working this, this, and this. And and you're basically showcasing how you were two, three years in and you had nobody under your team besides your wife and your sister. And it's a it's a good lesson to show because at the end of the day, I feel like, which you are so explaining, it's important as a business owner, at least you go a around all the different departments that your business has and understand the basics because and in the long term, if you're going to hire somebody that does the PPC for you, somebody that does the inventory management and so on, if you have no clue about what the person should be doing, how in the first place you're going to design this piece, how you're going to actually assess their performance and how you're actually going to make sure you hire the right people. So basically everything goes side by side you know you start you understand the basics and you use just basic to design the sops and use the sops to hire the right people so it's basically a staircase that you go a uh, one by one so yeah correct point and, out. <laughs> and, and don't
2: yeah and don't assume that i've done everything perfectly either right yeah I've, of course yeah. i've made plenty of hiring mistakes <laughs> i can imagine yeah <laughs> and sometimes i think this is the role that we need and then at the end of the day i'm like oh you know what That's not actually the role we need. Mm -hmm. Instead, we need a project manager. For example, like we thought we needed to hire more graphic designers in 2019. We thought that that was our bottleneck, that if Becca, my wife, had more designers, we could push out more designs. And it was like, whoa, 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 that's not the issue. The bottleneck in the business is like, I can only move so fast in creating product content and putting that stuff up on Amazon, let alone... Purchasing inventory for those products. And so that's why we decide, like, hey, the project manager actually needs to come first. But we made mistakes along the way. Uh, the, but the most important thing is, like, you know, don't get in over your head. Um, and don't just think that because somebody else has XYZ that you need that because mm-hmm. every business is different. My Amazon mm-hmm. business is not the same as yours, and it's not the same as many others and so but we're all unique in the way that we structure our businesses and and how we need to
1: optimize them now um i would like to also touch on the fact that i mean you you mentioned that on a monthly basis you're launching 20 30 products um for me this already is lighting up a something in my head from the point of view that this guy knows how to launch products because Mm -hmm. If you're doing this 20, 30 products per month, I mean, I appreciate sure you have seen everything, all the mistakes, all the good things, what is working, what is not. And I, w- I would like to take some of those gold nuggets out of you as they call them in terms of pro launch. So maybe tell us a little bit right now, at least in 2023, how a pro launch would look like for you and what are the things you see and work the most? Yeah.
2: yeah. Great, great question. So let's back it all the way up to product research first, right? Because that is the, the foundation, right? you've got Mm -hmm. to make sure you're going into a actual good product opportunity in and of itself. Right. Um, I know back in the day, even when I took my first Amazon course to learn how to sell on Amazon, everybody talked about like, Oh, don't, don't go into categories that have over 500 reviews and five stars (laughs) and, and make sure that the product is this size and that size. And it's like, okay, Mm. like, That's all well and good, but like, guess what? Everybody else is using thousands of people, (laughs) right? And so it's just, it's just a waste. So I don't even worry about it. And, and I share that because that product that became our bestseller, um, back in 2020, um, we went into a extremely competitive niche. Okay. Mm -hmm. The bestseller had over 5,000 reviews and the next top five had well over thousands of reviews and they were all five stars. There was literally no complaints that people had, right? So based like, on
1: numbers, it was pretty much impossible to enter if yeah. you saw just the numbers. Yeah. Anybody <laughs>
2: that looks at that would be like, "You're an yeah, idiot." I run away! Yeah, yeah. But here's what we did, and this comes down to like that product research. We brought something completely new to the market. Okay, we didn't create another me-too product. What we did mm-hmm. is we took t- took a look at what was trending really well at home, at um, like school supply stores. So we okay. went to actual like physical stores. What's trending there? What what themes and what type of products did we mm-hmm. see that are like succeeding there? Because many of them were not on Amazon. Then we took a look at Etsy. Then we took a look at Pinterest and just Google images. And what we saw was a clear gap in what was being offered on Amazon. On Amazon, everybody almost looked the exact same. copy yeah. And what and everybody was just trying to charge $1 less than the yeah. other person, right? And right to like, the
1: bottom, basically. Yeah. yeah.
2: And and trying to include weird knickknacks. Yeah, right? An extra
1: pen, an extra yeah, thing, it's an extra like, thing. People
2: don't like people. I know that that's like the strategy that a lot of people use back yeah, in the day. Yeah, do a bundle like, and stuff. Yeah
1: you just need to add a
2: little bag and people are going to yeah, love yeah. yours because you included this little bag. It's like, no a PDF or like,
1: PDF manual or something. Yeah. Like that. <laughs> most
2: people think like most people don't care about that type of stuff. What yeah. they do care about is like the look or the feel of that product um, or how it's going to be different than what is out there, because most people want to make a statement, whether it's the clothes they wear, whether it's the products they use they want to make a statement. That's why, you know, Stanley mugs is one of like the most trending, like, mm-hmm. you know, c- cups, <laughs> like it used to be like the Yeti tumbler, I right? Um, yeah. But now it's the Stanley cup and it, and it's just odd, but it's, it's different. The one thing that they did is it, it allows you to like put it in an actual cup holder in yeah, your car stuff. The skinny yeah. little, you know, <laughs> bottom to it. And then a nice handle on the side and there's a wild market for it i haven't yeah. purchased one but um <laughs> but there's a market for it right and because everybody else guess what everybody else was just kind of trying to mimic what yeti was doing right They a share. here's the tumblr it's because it keeps the ice cool and it's like no yeah. at the end of the day what stanley did is they they said what are what are some of the issues and i'm sure they talk to customers and it's like Mm. what if we just created one that actually has a handle because none of these mugs actually have a handle on them and then what if we make it so that it's easy for people to take in the car because honestly these aren't very easy to take in the car and and so i think that that's where they killed it right so similarly that's kind of what we did and we saw what was working elsewhere and kind of brought something brand new to the market. And then within two weeks of that product launch, we were already the number two bestseller, competing with people that already had thousands of reviews. So that's like myth number one that I want to dismantle is like, at the end of the day with your product research, go into opportunities Mm -hmm. where you are actually benefiting the market. You're not just creating a me too product or you're not just changing the color of something yeah. from red to blue Alibaba,
1: like, change, changing the packaging and that's it. Yeah, <laughs> it's not
2: enough. It is so not enough. And I know that's what all the gurus and know, courses I that know. people buy preach right now, but that's truly not enough. Bring something new to the market. Now it, it doesn't need to be something like completely yeah. brand new. That's like, you have to be like coming, a
1: patent. And stuff, yeah. You yeah. don't need like <laughs> something
2: that's like patented where it's like, nobody's ever seen this before. Yeah. No, like, like I said, go to your store, go to local like retail stores and just go see what else is trending out there. And it will spark some ideas in ways that you can tweak and refine your product um, to meet those needs. So that's step number one. Yeah. Because if you don't have a a differentiated product.
1: Yeah, the rest is difficult. The rest
2: rest of this conversation is going to be worthless. So that's Mm -hmm. why, again, when it came to product research and development, there's a reason why that was one of my first hires. Because that is the core of our business, launching new products. That's it. Mm -hmm. That is the core. That's our priority number one in the business. And every one of our team members knows we do everything to support new product ideas to come out with something new and innovative. Um, So with that being said, what do we do when it comes to launches? So one of my favorite things when it comes to product launches is that we do in-depth keyword research up front. So many people you know, talk about, hey, as soon as you launch a product, turn on your auto and broad campaigns, mm. see what keywords work, and then move them over to another campaign yeah. of your successful keywords. And it's like, that's garbage. And yeah. you're wasting a lot of money and mm-hmm. you're destroying your conversion rate right out of the gate. Yeah. So here's the flip in the mindset do all of your product research, right? So grab your top 10 competitors, run that Cerebro reverse ASIN search to grab all of their keywords for all 10 of these competitors. You're going to end up with about like 6,000 different um, like keywords. You've got to go one by one. And you're going to say, is this keyword relevant for this product or is it not relevant for this product? You go through that list one by one. Then the next step you do is you say, all right, let me take a look at these relevant products, right? And then for these relevant keywords, okay, talking about keywords here, you take these relevant keywords, and then you need to categorize them in four different categories. Number one is a shop keyword, okay? Okay. What is a shop keyword? A shop keyword is, you know, maybe people call them long tail keywords, Mm -hmm. hyper relevant keywords, a shop keyword is like when somebody is searching for something, it is exactly what they're looking for. Okay. So,
1: exactly. A definition. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: So like in a good, like uh, collagen peptides, right? So if you're trying to sell a collagen peptide supplement that comes in two different forms, you could get the pills or you could get the powder, right? Mm-hmm. A shop keyword. If I'm selling the pills for me would be collagen peptide capsules mm-hmm. or pills. Collagen peptide powder, although it's related and relevant, it is not my product. So it's not a shop keyword. So the classification that we use and the SOP that our team members use to go and classify all of these keywords is you want to see over 75% of the results on page one be your exact product that you're trying to offer, right? Like your competitors. Okay. okay? Okay. That's a shop keyword. Like Mm -hmm. Amazon's already telling you that there's a reason why 75% of your competitors are ranked money's here on that, right? (laughs) Because like the the intent is there and that's what customers want and they end up buying it. So that's why they're ranked. Semi shop is where you get, maybe it's a mixed bag. You get, it's about 50% Mm -hmm. of the listings on page number one are your related, like, like your competitors or your exact Mm -hmm. type of product. Right. So, okay. in the example of, you know, uh, the collagen peptides, right? If you just search collagen peptides, right, that's kind of a more broad keyword. So, yeah. when you search collagen peptides, you are probably going to see fifty percent of the re- results be powder, maybe fifty percent of the results are going to be these capsules, right? Mm-hmm. That's a semi shop keyword, right? It's not super intent focused, but it's certainly relevant, and we should be able to rank on page one for semi-shop keywords, right? And then the next category that we have, it was, we call them um, browse-specific keywords. So what's a browse-specific keyword? This would be something like, again, if we use the collagen peptides analogy, this keyword is going to be, um, you know, uh, pills, collagen pills for nails, or not even that, could just be, you know, Healthy vitamin for hair and yeah. hair, right? Basically describing cool.
1: some activity or behavior that could relate to the breath.
2: Yeah. And it's specific, right? You're not yeah. because then a, a broad keyword, right? Because that's kind of the last one that we'll talk about is like a browse keyword. A browse yeah. general keyword would be a keyword like supplements. Yeah. That's super broad. Supplements yeah. <laughs> for women. Now there's a ton of search volume for it. And if you can get ranked on that, yeah. that's You're amazing. Kidding. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, man, that's a long shot, right? So browse specific is like, okay, you can tell people are like, it's kind of a general search term, healthy supplements for, you know, your hair and nails. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, yeah, collagen peptides work for that. But um, again, ultimately what you want to see here in order to classify something as browse specific, you've still got about 25% of the listings there on page one Mm -hmm. are your type of product, right? Now, the last step here is that browse keyword. Your browse keyword is your long shot, right? It's going to be super high volume. But what our classification is, we have at least one or two competitors with our similar type of product being ranked for that keyword. If like, for example, supplements for men, if you search supplements for men and there is nothing out there. For collagen peptides, Mm -hmm. that drops off our keyword list. Sorry, not relevant. Like, is ours for men, and is it a supplement? Yes, it is. But nobody's ranking for that, so save yourself the money and don't even worry. (laughs) So anyway, so what we do on day one is we launch single keyword exact match campaigns Mm -hmm. for only our shop keywords. That's it. OK, we launched that. And then the other ad campaign that we will create is single competitor campaigns for product targeting. Okay. OK, so we're going to look at our competitors, anybody that we think is like a true competitor for our product. And if you have multiple variations, right, mm-hmm. if you have a pink water bottle, then go find all the water bottles that are pink. If you pink. have a blue water bottle, find all the other water bottles that are blue. You're going to set those up into individual campaigns, one competitor per campaign, and then you're going to target them. Now, why do you start with those two big campaigns, your um, shop keywords and then your product targeting? On day one, you're telling Amazon exactly what your product is about rather than turning on auto and broad campaigns and just saying, hey, Amazon, I hope whatever you're whatever you Has detected what my product is, and I hope that you show it to the right type of person. Yeah, I mean, Amazon is smart, but you're going to waste a lot of money that way. We do end up, and they will find a
1: way to spend it for sure.
2: (laughs) Oh yeah, of course they will. Of course they will. Uh, We, but we do end up turning on auto and broad campaigns, but not until about like week three or week four, because at that point, Amazon now knows what your product is. Because Mm -hmm. you've started to make sales on those shop keywords. And then secondly, one of the best things is like when you start to take purchases from competitors, Amazon's like, oh, okay. You stole traffic from this competitor who actually Mm -hmm. is the number one seller. So you're relevant. So now I'm going to actually maybe consider ranking you wherever this guy is ranked. Because people continue and ultimately this all comes down to conversion, rate. Yeah. You've got to, you know, and you just, you push the gas. If you see this, if your conversion rate and you'll be able to identify this really quick after week one and two of Mm -hmm. the shop keywords, if your conversion rate is higher than what you are finding in the market opportunity explorer on Amazon or the search query performance, where you can go in there and look at like the baseline, basically the baseline, right? Collagen peptide, you know, capsules. What is the, what is the market, um, conversion rate for that? Right. Mm. Amazon gives that to you, whether that's right or not, doesn't matter. At least Amazon is giving it to us. (laughs) If your conversion rates higher than that, step on the gas. If it's not, then you got to take the time and pull back and you've got to say, all right, do I need to tweak my pricing? Do I need mm-hmm. to adjust my images? Do I need to adjust the product copy? Your main two levers are definitely going to be your price and your images. Uh, copy's not going to make that big of an impact, but yeah, um, those are the two levers that you've got to do. So as soon as you launch, and, and we're by no means perfect at launching, there's plenty of product launches where it's like, ah, we didn't end up with a very good conversion rate. Yeah. That product's going to die. and 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 it just dies, right? Uh-huh. But when we see something that, is working right and it has a better conversion rate than the market you push the gas yeah. we step on the gas and we're all all systems go and then we'll quickly start ranking from there so that's right. my overall i know we, we could have a whole hour yeah for sure to uh, yeah i was gonna inches. say
1: that i mean first of all i i totally agree with your strategy i think you say very well in terms of the fact that at the beginning you know amazon is gonna just be guessing around and it's better that you actually define what are these keywords and build the history correctly for the product and i like the fact that um the way you basically divide these keywords i think that's something is the first time i hear it and it's a very interesting thing that i'm gonna try myself as well and and, and see how it goes and i'm gonna let you know for sure but yeah, Josh, I mean, this topic can go for hours. As you say, I mean, you have so much knowledge in, in, in this space and I'm gonna make sure to have you for a second part for sure so we can go more in depth and even talk around other things such as you know, how you do listing optimization and all of that. But I'm gonna save that for the second part. And in, in the meantime, um. You know, I want to thank you for your time and sharing all this with your audience. And I want to use this last minute or so, so you can also share with us how people can get in contact with you, because I know you have the Ecom Breakthrough Podcast, uh, and maybe people, you know, want to uh, know more about that. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So I am the host of the Ecom Breakthrough Podcast. That's Ecom with two M's. Um, and it's available on all the standard podcast platforms, Google, Apple, and Spotify, all that good stuff. Um, awesome. but go go take a look at it and and listen in. Really, it's targeted for people that want to grow their business from seven figures to eight figures and beyond.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: we what I try to do is share actionable strategies just like i'm I'm doing today. Yeah, to say, here are things you can actually go implement in your business today. That's going to take your business to the next level, and so we've had you know many experts on the podcast, you know, we've had Kevin King on the podcast, mm-hmm. Howard Ty's been on the podcast, Bradley Sutton, Stephen Pope, um, Roland Framan. We've got some guys that know what they're talking about. These are like industry leaders, Steve Simonson. These guys know what they're talking about, and they're they're kind of pulling back the curtains and sharing actionable takeaways for you to go implement in your business. And that's that's what, how I learned, right? Is by listening to a lot of podcasts, watching a lot of courses. And so just trying to give that back to the community because I, I'm a believer that there's more than enough opportunities out there and rising tide rises all the ships at the same time. And that's and if your I followers don't. have any questions, they can shoot me an email to at josh at econbreakthrough.com.
1: That's amazing! Thank you very much, Josh. Yeah, yeah. I think for sure, I think using these channels as a way of learning is key. I mean, that's also how I learn uh, all the strategies and the things I know. I, I'm for sure. I recommend everybody that is listening this episode go check her out and, and share some good reviews for him as well. Yeah, <laughs> on our behalf. So, Josh, it's been a pleasure. Looking forward to have you again in the future. And in the meantime, thank you and have an amazing rest of the day. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, Vincenzo. Take care. Bye bye.
0: Thanks for listening to The E-Commerce Lab by EcomC. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. While you are at it, we would appreciate it if you could leave an honest rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. That will make it easier for others to find out about the show and benefit from it. Want more? Visit our website at www.ecomc.com where you can get your first consultation for free or Find us on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn at EcomC.